Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The spring morning brought cold and damp to Denver. Gray skies and low clouds gave the 34 degrees and raining morning a rather grim feel. But inside the walls of the cathedral, spaces were bustling with folks moving from one morning service dismissing, making their way to formation, parents dropping off children at church school, choristers preparing, rehearsing for the 11 a.m. And looking down the long aisle of the nave, I noticed a man making his way to a pew, a long shoelace trailing behind him that was damp and frayed. From his lips came the sharp, tangy smell of smoke as he puffed and exhaled on his cigarette. I went to the man to welcome him and also to invite him to finish his cigarette outdoors, which he did, and we began to talk. As conversation continued and the cigarette was finished, I invited him back inside. Parishioners joined us, one serving him a cup of coffee, another bringing him a plate of food, which he ate, seemingly ravenous, and mostly he talked. A cascading story of encounters and misencounters with family members, acquaintances, law enforcement, There was an urgency about the way in which the man spoke, needing a reassurance that we were there, emphatic that we know his name, almost as if if we knew his name and if we called him by name, that would secure his grip in the world, one on which as he continued to speak quickly and in circles, it seemed as if he had a frail grasp. He needed to be seen, or perhaps I needed to see. Our gospel passage today, our very long gospel passage from John's gospel, offers us reflections on this fourth Sunday of Lent, not just about sight, but about belief and belonging. In what we heard, Jesus performs a sign, not a miracle, a sign. The Greek is simeon. It's a sign as he encounters a man who was born blind. Jesus' disciples seek to engage him in questions around first century ascription of sin as it related to disability. And Jesus is having none of it. He's not engaging ethical shortfalls, but blindness as a place of being. The sign, 
The sign that he offers as he kneels down, spit in the dirt, made mud with his saliva and smeared it across the man's eyes and told him to go wash at the pool of Siloam points beyond itself. The sign points to who Jesus is and how we are to respond to this knowledge. From the transformation of the one born blind, we learn that transformation, conversion, can be messy and confusing. There's nothing particularly glorious about the mud on the man born blind's eyes. Perhaps it might connect us to that mud from which the first human was formed and into which God breathed life. But mud is still mud, and were it to be on our shoes, we would be scraping it off. The most mundane stuff of earth God uses. And conversion, at least for the man born blind, is anything but mundane and is confusing for him and for those around him. It's strange that those in his community, whom he can now see, do not see him. After he's washed, after he sees, his neighbors are at odds with one another, as to if he were the man who used to sit and beg. His parents seem confused and perhaps seeking to avoid entanglements with the religious authorities, are inclined to let him speak for himself. The Pharisees are perhaps confused, but certainly threatened by the man born blind's explanation of what took place. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. Yet the man is clear about what happened without trying to explain it. Though I was blind, now I see. Conversion, while messy, confusing even, cannot be explained. The end of our passage today offers us something to gnaw on as we consider our lives of discipleship. That there is depth to the notion of belief. After the man, now sighted, has been driven out of the synagogue by the Pharisees, Jesus goes, finds him, and asks him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man has Jesus right there, right there with him. Yet, he doesn't yet see It's a bit like the gradual apprehension of the Samaritan woman at the well. But the man wants to see. And he asks about the Son of Man's identity so that he might believe in him. So that he might believe in him. Sometimes, I think when we hear that word believe, we go to a place of cognitive assent. As if when we are being asked to believe, we are saying yes to a set of principles that are clearly 
laid out. Yet this is not what Jesus offers the man. He doesn't offer the man who now sees a set of principles. Jesus says, you have seen him. And the one speaking with you is he. The one speaking with you is he. Jesus offers himself. The blind man is more than one whom Jesus heals. He's one of his sheep, one of his flock. And just like sheep, the man born blind hears Jesus' voice. Like a shepherd, Jesus finds the man when he has been cast out and provided for him what all sheep need, protection, belonging, rich pasture, and abundant life. The one speaking with you is he. The man's hearing and seeing are expressions of his relationship with Jesus, of his belonging. To believe is to belong to Jesus. Our guest at the cathedral was not terribly steady on his feet. And a parishioner and I walked on either side of him as we accompanied him down the front steps to 13th Street to the city's wonderful team of mental health first responders, whom this gentleman had been glad for us to call. With my hand tucked up under the armpit of his sweatshirt, I could feel the warm heat of his body and the damp of the cotton. As he made his way to the sidewalk, he turned around and before entering the vehicle, looked at us and looked from us to the building edifice and said, almost as if yelling, oh, oh, I see. I see now you're Christians and you were being kind to me. It's been such a long time since someone has been kind. I see. And in his words, it was as if Jesus were saying, you have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. Amen. The Chapel of the Cross is an Episcopal church in the heart of Chapel Hill and the university community. Find out more at thechapelofthecross.org. There you can find our latest news and events, connect with our pastoral care team, Faith in Action Ministries, and offer a prayer request. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram at The Chapel of the Cross, and on Facebook and Twitter at C-O-T-C Chapel Hill. May you be nourished by the word to serve in the world.